Sun Life Community Church came into being as the result of a compelling vision for a different kind of church, interested in what we call the Sun Life, experiencing and sharing the life of God's Son. Perhaps your heart is burdened these days. We invite you to allow the Word of God through the words of this message to bring rest to your soul and joy to your heart. Father, you have placed things in your word that gives us direction. Directions as people, directions as a congregation. Father, we pray today that you would both point out the direction for us and just encourage us to embrace those directions and to be changed and blessed by them. We ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a First Fruit Sunday, and oh gee, probably just three or four days ago, I would not think that this particular message today would fit into our James series. Not at all. There's going to be a special just First Fruits message Just like in two weeks, we're going to have a message dealing with our our church anniversary, and, and it turns out that's going to fit into the James series. And this one today actually surprised me that it wound up fitting into our James series, even though we're going to use some other scriptures as well. The title of the message this morning, it's really just a brief uh, meditation to prepare our hearts and our minds for the communion time we'll share together. But the title is Handling. Every one of our messages starts that way, doesn't it? It's like, what are we going to handle today? What are we going to learn how to handle? What does God want us to have uh, a knowledge concerning how we handle it? James so far has told us 23 different things that we need as God's children, to learn to handle in this world. Well, here we go. Today's message title is Handling First Fruit Activities. Now, I don't know if I've ever used that phrase before. First fruit activities. What would they be? Well, you see, I've discovered this week, it's kind of come together, there are three activities that arise from three first fruit realities that the Bible identifies. Now, I want to share these three first fruit realities with you right off the bat. It's not on your sheet, but your sheet only fills up one side. So guess what? Flip it over and jot down these things on the back side. These are three first fruit realities. The way the Bible, the New Testament particularly, talks about first fruiting, what that word means and and how it's applied. But here's the three realities. I'll just give them to you quickly. Number one, your tithe that we're going to give you opportunity to present at the end of this service. Your tithe is a first fruit reality. It's the first portion of the harvest that God has provided for you. That is your income. And God refers to that tenth, 
that first part of our harvest as a first fruit. We'll see that in a moment. So your tithe is a first fruit reality. It's linked to that word. Jesus Christ is a first fruit reality. He is the first human being to be resurrected from the dead and to receive a glorified body. He is the first who has ever experienced that. And up till now, he's the only one. Truly, he's the first fruit of that reality. Secondly, you yourself, if you're a born-again Christian, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have asked God for mercy to, conf- to forgive you of your sins, that you've confessed that you are in fact a sinner, and you recognize that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price of sin, if you've asked God to forgive you of your sins and trusted Jesus as your Savior, then the Bible says you've been given new life. You've been born again. And we frequently just say you're born again. We're born again believers. It's people who have done that. So you yourself, if you're a born again believer, are a first fruit reality. You see, you yourself, as a born again believer, are the first part, the first part of God's creation to receive new birth. Do you realize only human beings up to this point have been born again? Human beings are the first fruits of this new life, this new birth, and the eternal life that new birth provides. We're a first fruit of that whole experience, you and me, if we've been given new birth through Jesus Christ. Those are the three key realities. They're marvelous, but each one of them leads to what the Bible would urge us something to do that I'm calling a first fruit activity, something to be involved in that gives expression to those realities. Now this morning, we're going to have an opportunity to engage in all three of those first fruit activities. First, though, we're going to talk a little bit about the the realities. But as we engage in the activities this morning, our Heavenly Father will receive great pleasure. So here we go. Three key first fruit activities. Now you got this on your sheet. Number one, an activity, an action, recognizing our place in the family of God. If you're saved, do you know that you have a place in the family of God? Do you recognize that? Are you one of those Christians who can be caught saying, well, I hope I'm saved. Hope I'm going to heaven. You know, people who say that actually probably aren't. Because the Holy Spirit who is given to those who are truly saved comes into their life saying, you're saved now. He testifies. He says, I was there. I brought you this new life. Believe me, you have it. Well, see, recognizing that we now, through that new birth, have been put into the family of God. The group of all the people who have been saved from sin and given eternal life by God the Father himself, 
recognizing our place in his family is a first fruit activity. Here's the verse. James. Now we had to go all the way back to the first chapter to find this, even though you know we're almost at the end of the last chapter. But for today, we go all the way back to chapter 1 and verse 18, and here's what James said. We read this a long time ago, though we really didn't focus on it too much. I'd like to say that I was so organized, I was so aware of how God was going to lead us, that I saved that verse until now, months and months and months later. But, uh, no, didn't work out that way. It's working out this way. So here we go. James chapter 1, verse 18. James is talking about now God the Father. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. That's what the gospel is. It's truth. It's not, I hope I can be saved. It's not, I hope something can overcome my sinfulness. It's truth. Here's how you can be saved. This is how your sin can be dealt with. It's the gospel. It's the word of truth. God says, this is how it is. God chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Nobody is ever saved without hearing about Jesus. Doesn't matter how good you live your life or try to live your life or think you're living your life or where you are, apart from Jesus Christ, nobody can be saved. He is part of the word of truth. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He was born miraculously, and he laid down his life on Calvary as a sacrifice for all sin. That's the word of truth. And God gave us birth through that word of truth. Apart from that word of truth, there's no spiritual life. There's no rebirth. There's no forgiveness. There's no salvation. But through that word of truth, God the Father chose to give us birth. That, so that we might be, and here we go, James says, so that we might be a kind of first fruits. So say that to yourself. I'm a kind of first fruit. I wonder what kind I am. But I'm a kind of first fruit. There's something about me that's brand new. Something about me that is the, a forerunner of something that's yet to come. I'm the first, I'm the first fruit. I'm part of, the, of that. And then it says, a kind of first fruit of all he created. That's interesting. He didn't say, we're the first fruit of all who will be saved. It said, we're the first fruit of everything that he created. So can you believe this? Today we're going to take a little broader look at this, this whole subject, and here we find James starting us out. Incredible truth tucked away in that verse. It tells us something about God's ultimate plan and place for man in the vast universe. James says that born-again believers are the first fruits of something that God is intending to do throughout the whole creation. If born-again human beings are the first fruits, then it means there's something more to follow. So just allow these thoughts to run through your mind. Allow them to stir up your heart this morning. Born-again believers are the first members of the Father's new family of faith. 
They're the very first ones. Born-again believers are the first human beings to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Very first ones. First ones to experience that. Actually, the gift of the Holy Spirit who will be with them forever and guide them and lead them and change them and help them. Third thing, born-again believers will be the first human beings to experience the new heaven and the new earth. Only born-again human beings are, are going to enter into that at the beginning, and they will be the first to enjoy that. All of this comes as a result of being, as James said, a kind of first fruits of all that he created. Now, that's a first fruits reality. And recognizing that reality is a God-pleasing first fruits activity. Do you recognize that? Do you say it's true? All these things are true. God has given me new birth, and as a result, he has made me a member of his family, and as a result, he has given to me the gift of the Holy Spirit, and as a result, he is, he is a place for me in the eternal realm, in fact, in the new heaven and the new earth itself that, that we can only try to imagine what that might be like. But to recognize that, to believe that is an activity that, is, that gives us favor with God. It's a truthful thing to do. We recognize that reality this morning. Let's push on a little bit. Secondly, celebrating Jesus' death and resurrection is a first fruits activity. Here Paul says, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead some people were saying, maybe not. Paul says, indeed. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep, of all believers who have died. You see, with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, death has been overcome. In his resurrection, Jesus Christ became the first of many who would similarly experience glorious heavenly life following earthly death. Jesus himself had said, John 14, 19, because I live, you too will live. And he could have added, eventually. Eventually. Nobody. Nobody except Jesus Christ to this point has been resurrected from the grave and been given a glorified, eternally good human body. Nobody but him. He is the first fruit. And everyone else that has died in faith is awaiting that moment of resurrection. This is what Paul said in his letter to the Romans, Romans 8.23, he said, and not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Now there Paul is just made, we had the beginning of this glorious thing. In the person of the Holy Spirit himself, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, 
That is the redemption of our bodies. See, when we die, our spirit goes to be with the Lord, but our body goes into the ground or wherever it's placed. And there the body remains. We are not a fully functional human being in heaven. We are in a spiritual realm, having fellowship with the Lord himself, but our body, it takes a body for a person to be human. God created us, body, soul, and spirit. And God's plan is for us to be redeemed human beings one day, completely brought back together, body, soul, and spirit, in a glorified state, exactly like Jesus himself. He's the first fruits. And when we celebrate his death and resurrection, we're doing a first fruit thing. He's the first fruits. And someday, someday, unless we live to the rapture and we're just gloriously changed in a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, we will come to the end of our earthly life, our bodies will be laid to rest, and in that place of resurrection will one day happen. It's happened to Jesus already, but he's the only one. He's the first fruits of them that slept, meaning he's the first and there's something more to come. And Paul says, absolutely. The redemption of our bodies is yet to come. So the Spirit himself, he testifies in the scripture that all born-again believers will one day receive glorified bodies just like Jesus did. Bodies that will never weaken, never die, never be limited in any way. So the Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ is a tremendous first fruit reality. And when we celebrate his death and his resurrection, we are engaging in a tremendous first fruit activity. And we'll do that in our communion this morning. Third and finally this morning, let me announce that bringing our tithes is a first fruit activity. Here's what we read way back in the book of Deuteronomy, 2,000 years or so before uh, Jesus Christ. You shall declare, Moses says, before the Lord your God, I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O God, have given me. Every person bringing their offering would make a statement. Wouldn't it be something if we took our offering and we had a basket up here and each one of us would walk up one by one and have to say, I declare that this is my tithe of what God has given to me. Now, in the Old Testament, they actually set it up that way. A person would come to the priest, and he would bring his first fruits of his crop or whatever it might be, and he would say, I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, O Lord, have given me. That's what we should be saying in our heart. When we give that, this is between us and God. We're not giving our money to pay the bills of the church. We're not giving our money because uh, we need a, a, a new uh, something. We bring our tithes because this is a house of God where we recognize 
the presence of God, the work of God, the purposes of God are being fulfilled, and we feel comfortable bringing our tithes to God through the means of this congregation that will use those funds to serve him and to please him. And so the writer says, place the basket that your tithe has been put in before the Lord your God and bow down before him, and you and the Levites and the aliens among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and to your household. Malachi chapter 3, at the end of the Old Testament, it says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out much blessing, more so that you will not have room enough for it. God is saying, I'm pleased when you engage in this activity, this first fruit activity of bringing your tithe to me. And I recognize over the years, over the weeks, maybe even over the hours, there are times we grow into that. We grow into that. You know, the easiest tithe to give is on your very first paycheck. Before you've figured out what to do with it, what you can do with it, how far it can stretch. My wife, Linda, she learned to tithe by tithing her birthday money. Well, for heaven's sakes, that puts you in the, in the mood, that puts you down in the groove. It's like everything I receive, 10% belongs to the Lord. And so then when the first paycheck came, you already have it established. You know the toughest time to tithe? It's when you've already spent a good part of your life spending everything you make and believing it's yours and thinking that somebody's trying to weasel some out of you. That's tough. It takes a whole different mindset. It takes the application of mathematics and discipline to say, how can we possibly do this? But to be able to say, I am following this principle. God always follows his promise. He said, you tithe. Whether you start when you're young and you never knew any other way to handle money, or whether you're halfway through life and, and maybe you've been handling money well, maybe you've been handling it terribly, maybe you're in a horrible spot, and all of a sudden you've given your life to God through Jesus Christ, and you hear about this tithing thing. Well, the first step is to say, you know, I really believe the Bible teaches that. I really believe it would honor God if I could do that. And then you'd say, and if I could do that, if I would do that, what exactly would my tithe be? Well, what is a tithe? Is it my take-home pay? Is it uh, after I pay all my bills, what's left? Gee, God would owe me money. My younger brother, who's just retired from the ministry, he would always say in his church when people asked him, what do you tithe on? He says, I'll tell you what, tithe on what you brag on. You know, when, when you get a certain income and then automatically taken out of your pay, you come, you pay this, pay this, pay this, pay this, pay this, and then this tiny little bit actually comes to you because you've had everything else taken care of. It, and somebody says, hey, how much are you making? 
do you tell them this little number that you ended up with, or do you tell them the one you started out with? Here's what I'm making. This is what your boss is actually paying you. So tithe on what you brag on, and that uh, takes care of the before taxes, after taxes, or what thing. The point of it is, it all comes from God. And he blesses us. And he asks us for one-tenth return. And he says, if you will do that, I will bless you. To where, really, what it works out to is that 90% that's left goes further than your 100% used to. Because it's a spiritual thing. It's a blessing, and it's a lifelong thing that God just works through. I'd like to say tithing is part of the fabric of the universe. Long before there was any written law, the people on this earth who knew God were bringing a tithe to him and recognizing that it all belonged to him. And God's promises surrounded it and blessed it. Unknown numbers of tithers would testify to it even today. So that's one of those first fruit realities, and it's a first fruit activity that really honors God, and God in turn blesses those who do it. Final thought says this, learning to handle these first fruit activities is absolutely fundamental. Oh, it's fundamental that we confess, that we recognize we're part of the family of God. It's fundamental that we celebrate Jesus' death and resurrection. It is fundamental that we bring our tithes to the Lord. It's all part of the way that he has chosen to guide, direct, and bless our lives. Doing these three things help make sure that we keep first things first. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are part of a fellowship that recognizes these things. We are not a bunch of individuals in this room. Father, all who have confessed faith in Jesus Christ are part of a family of faith. And that family of faith uh, just generates a, a kind of fellowship and a kind of spirit among itself that that is really quite rare in this world today. Father, thank you for this family of faith. Thank you for the love they show to one another. Thank you for the faithfulness they have with one another. Thank you for the love they have for you that they share together in worship and praise. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for his death on Calvary and his triumphal resurrection from the grave. Father, thank you that you allow us to, to link our, our substance in this world to you. You provide it, and then we, we return a portion to you, and you, it brings pleasure to you, and you then bring blessing to us. So, fathers, we prepare now for a, a time of communion and then a, a receiving of our, our tithes. Oh, Lord, just continue to, to let us sense your presence and pleasure, for we ask it in Jesus' name. 
We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.